0: From an airstream somewhere in Tornado Alley. Bringing you the people, places, and stories. From the Panhandle to the Red River. This is your Only in Oklahoma show. Previously on the Only in OK show. Brett messed up the intro. And Harley got really, really mad. On today's show it's the overholser mansion is it haunted or not coming up next i'm brett and i'm harley so you know there's just these times when you go you drive by a house you walk by a house and you look at it and go yeah that thing's haunted you know the overholser mansion yeah. It reminds me of the intro to Tales from the Dark Side. Oh yeah. Where everything, kinda everything looks kinda negative. happy. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, then yeah. the music twists. <clears throat> yeah, like Overholster Mansion looks like everything's just happy go lucky. Uh-huh. But I think in the right light, oh, it it's... would be scary as hell. How about in the this light right now, dark? It yeah. would be with the just barely lit with the street lamps. Ooh. Somebody in the window? Maybe. <laughs> This is the thing, I don't mind like a haunted house, but if you don't want, if you're like me, you don't want a, a chainsaw touching it or some goofball jumping out in a, re- a poorly designed mask. This is this is up your alley, and if you and you got to be a little bit of a history buff too, absolutely. And we have an interview with Lisa Escalon with the Oklahoma Historical Society. Great interview. She is full of knowledge. Oh yeah, uh, this was a great interview though. I, we had a blast. I st- I I remember it to this day. Oh yeah! Like I just I could listen to her talk all day. Oh, <laughs> that's the thing when you get the smart ones, you just let them loose. You just hit record and go. Yep. So stick around for the interview. Some things I didn't know that we're going to find out is that the overholser Mansion has zero to do with the lake. Kind of. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. I, I agree with that. Well, let's find out. All right, six goes into seven. One is it. God, I'm so frustrated and I'm scared to death. I'm an independent contractor and I don't want to get punched in the jimmy by the IRS. Brett, why don't you give our buddy Justin over at the Holiday Tax Group a call? One of their specialties is tax preparation and planning. And then on top of that, if you have a run-in with the IRS, they're going to have your back. Perfect. But how do I find them? You can reach them at HolidayTaxGroup.com. And if the independent contractor thing works out for you, they also do estate planning. So they got you back on that one as well. Oh, thank goodness. Thanks for the advice. That's HolidayTaxGroup.com. Holiday with two L's. All right, well, if you've spent enough time in Oklahoma City, you've heard the name Overholser from me, mainly in reference to Lake Overholser over the years, which is aptly named after Ed. But that's not what we're here for. It's his dad. It's Henry Overholser which is who we're here to talk about today in his famous mansion on Hudson. And maybe get a scary story or two from our guest today. Joining us from Preservation Oklahoma and the Overholster Mansion is Lisa Escalon. Lisa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I didn't know. I think I was 40 years old when I realized that Lake Overholster is not named after Henry.
1: It is named after his son, who is our mayor. And in, and by that time, by the time the lake was finished, Henry Overholzer had already passed on. He died back in 1915. So, you know, he was, he died pretty early on and he was 69 when he died, but no, his son became our mayor in 1915 and got to see the, the lake finished.
0: Lisa, before we get too deep in the woods on Overholzer mansion or Overholzer in general, do you mind telling us a little bit about you and how you are related to preservation Oklahoma?
1: Well, I started here at the Overholzer Mansion as a volunteer, uh, back in the early 90s when me and my family moved into close to the neighborhood here. At the time, the house was, well, it still was owned by the Oklahoma Historical Society and it became property of Oklahoma Historical Society back in 19. 19- 1972 and it opened for tours and i would just help out on occasionally during you know christmas and holidays and things like that and then preservation oklahoma is the proud steward and manager of the mansion and it's just one of the things that Preservation Oklahoma does and I'm employed by Preservation Oklahoma and we serve to promote historic preservation statewide throughout the state of Oklahoma and the Overholster Mansion is just one of the things that we do and we are open for tours during the week from Tuesday through Saturday and our tours are given on the hour at 10 11 12 1 and 2 o'clock
0: that's great. I'm fascinated now with Preservation Oklahoma. How can people find out a little bit more about that? I know that's not kind of the, the focus of today's discussion, but how can people find more information about that?
1: Well, you are welcome to get plugged in with Preservation Oklahoma by visiting our website, preservationok.org. And we have several programs that we do throughout the year. We have a gravestone workshop. We have most endangered places. We do archaeological things, but um, please visit our website, um, at, like I said, preservationok.org, and become a member. We have a membership set up on our website as well, so please go to our, visit our website for more information.
0: Perfect. We'll uh, put a link in the show notes on that one. Great. All right, so Lisa, getting, kind of moving forward, well, kind of almost going backwards in time, tell us a little bit about, for a lot of people that don't know, how influential Henry Overholzer was. Over the city and the state of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, he's like one of our little-known, I think, Oklahoma characters. I mean, it shouldn't be like that, but mm-hmm. if that is thing, I hear about, you know, almost daily from our visitors, mostly our local visitors, and you know, we, most of our visitors are from out of state. And to be quite honest, we get people from all over the world visiting the Overholser Mansion right here in Oklahoma City. Uh, But so many of our local citizens don't realize how influential he was. He was originally from Ohio, and he built about a dozen buildings in downtown Oklahoma City. He was very involved in almost every aspect of developing the city after his arrival back in 1889. And what really brought him here were our land runs. We had like several. And he was already a very wealthy businessman by the time he arrives here. And what brings him here are land runs and he simply packs up train car loads full of building supplies, lumber and prefab buildings. And immediately he is in business. He arrives here to Oklahoma station and you know, Oklahoma station is in its infancy. It's mostly a tent city and he brings in much needed building supplies and lumber. So he builds one of Oklahoma's first hotels, the Grand Avenue Hotel and he, set, he erects his building along what is now Sheridan and Robinson Avenue. And as I mentioned, his buildings no longer stand, but his block would have been exactly where the Colcord Hotel now stands so, today, so, which is in the heart of Oklahoma City.
0: So, Lisa, am I correct in saying that Henry Overholster was one of the first people, if not the first person, to ever build a two-story structure in Oklahoma City? Is that correct?
1: Right. Oh, yes. That is amazing. And and in the earliest Oklahoma City photographs, and this all gives everybody a chance to Google Henry Overholzer in early Oklahoma City images. Mm-hmm. When you Google 1889 Oklahoma City images, you see Henry's Overholzer's row of buildings, and they all look alike, and they're all together. And not much else around, you know, all of those buildings. You can see how sparsely po- populated and not a tree in sight, really. <laughs> so. So, so was it around
0: 190? Started. was it 1907 when those, those buildings were torn down?
1: Um, it was probably ongoing. He did fall ill in 1911 and that took him out of, he didn't conduct any business after that. He suffered a stroke and that left him bedridden till he died in 1915. Oh, wow. Um, but not only did he build one of the first hotels, he built Oklahoma's first, Oklahoma City's first opera house, the Overholzer Opera House. And that stood, it later became the Warner Theater. And the Warner Theater stood, I believe, until the 80s, mid-80s. But he did also, he was county commissioner. He ran for mayor twice. He was one of the major investors in the streetcar system, which, you know, is back up and running. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the major, major, he was really involved in almost starting the State Fair of Oklahoma. He was a general manager of the State, State Fair Association of Oklahoma. And uh, his son, Ed, was also, you know, serving with him along with good friends like, uh, Mr. Klassen and, uh, C.G. Jones. And so he was really instrumental in almost everything. And, uh, like I said, though, he died in 1915. His, yeah, he did have this two story buildings and they were later, later replaced with brick structures. But again, none of his buildings no longer stand, just the house and the carriage house.
0: Now, another thing is, am, am I mistaken? There are markers out at State Fair Park with overholster's name on those is that correct i mean i I think i remember seeing something like that when i was a kid
1: i would hope you do i haven't been out there um it would you know he deserves to have a marker out there Mm -hmm. i i'm not sure for certain at this point at state fair park if there is one if there isn't there there should be
0: so the the only thing standing you said was the mansion and the carriage house
1: yes the carriage house is where we we begin our tours and it Both of the structures were built in 1903, so we we are talking pre-statehood. And in 1901 is when Henry Overholzer purchased the property that the carriage house and the main house sit on today. And he paid $1,000 for each lot, and that was a lot of money in 1901. And what was happening is the neighborhood area at that time in 1901 was being developed by Mr. Klassen, Mr. Colcord, and Mr. Nichols. And these are all friends of Henry's. And Henry was the first one to buy people really kind of laughed at him when he, when they heard that he paid a thousand dollars for each lot because this is way outside of Oklahoma city limits, believe it or not. Right. Um, the city limit at that time stopped like on sixth street. So this is way out in the country and he would encourage others to build their homes out here and he further encouraged them to outbuild him. So today we have, you know, over one square mile of historic homes located just north of downtown o- Oklahoma city today.
0: So in terms of the mansion, a lot of stuff going. It's just, it is an absolute gorgeous home. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Winchester mansion a little bit. It just, it looks so intricate and so well thought out and put together. Kind of uh-huh. take us through a guided tour of the, of the mansion.
1: So the, uh, mansion is 12,000 square feet and Henry and Anna Overholzer hired architect W.S. Matthews out of the Matthews and Rice Firm of Kansas City. And it is 15 rooms. On our tour, we start through the family entrance and continue on through the main entrance, which is around the corner. But the main focus of the tour is the intricacy of the decor inside because it is still furnished with the furniture that Henry and Anna Overholzer chose for the house. It still has the English carpet. It still has dental walls and ceiling, and those are all original. They've never been restored. Henry and Anna Overholzer hired or commissioned an artist from Kensington School of Art in London, England, to come out and do the dental work in the house. And it took him two years, and he lived on the Whoa. third floor Whoa. of the house. That
0: is crazy. And that
1: is, yeah, and it's beautiful. I mean, the intricacy of that, I mean, that is, the ceilings and walls alone are works of art as well as the stained glass windows. There are 109 windows in the house. There are 19 closets, seven fireplaces, six bedrooms. And on our tours, we go to all three floors. But I think probably the biggest takeaway of the mansion is is we have photographs of the rooms that we tour. And we also have photographs of those same rooms from 1916. And those photographs were taken by Anton Klassen. And when you look at the photographs and look at the rooms, everything is still... In place. I mean, the daughter they did have a daughter, Henry I own, who was born in the house in 1905 and she grew up in that house, married in the house she married David J. Perry and she and her husband Jay Perry live in the house. they lived there until she dies in 1959 and at the time of her death her husband Jay Perry becomes the sole heir because they never had any children, so the mm. overholzer Mansion never had any descendants for oh. it to be passed along to. And that's how it became a property of the Oklahoma Historical Society. David J. Perry conveys it to the Oklahoma Historic Society in 1972. And he leaves all the contents in it. And like I'm saying, the furniture is still pretty much in the same spots as they were in 1916 photographs. And we call the house frozen in time because, I mean, everybody just needs to come by and, and see the house. It's one thing to see the photographs that you find online but not until you walk into that house that you see everything is still in its place. It's like literally a giant time capsule.
0: So Lisa, from the time from its last inhabitants until it became a museum, what's the process of turning it into a museum and how long did that take before it actually took place?
1: It probably took almost 10 years after Jay Perry conveyed it to the historical society. I mean, there is a sessioning and inventory to be done and it was, Probably with a house this big and as large as it is and with all the contents, you can imagine, you know, what a long process that would have been, uh, kind of researching where the furniture was brought in from. Henry Overholz, in fact, some of the furniture in the smoking room he acquired at the World's Fair back in 1893. That furniture is still in the house. And, you know, that kind of process took a long time. So it really, Probably till in 1982, it first opened for tours. It was almost like 10 years for it to actually open its doors to the public.
0: Well, that kind of leads that the history is what leads me into kind of where we've had a death in the house. It's had a lot of history in the house. What are some things that have kind of happened? Have you had any paranormal experiences yourself?
1: I I have. I just got off of a, from a phone call from another volunteer who volunteered when I started years ago, and she was relaying something that happened to her and asked me pretty much the same thing you're asking me. The only death in the house was Henry Overholder. He died um, while he was ill, after a long illness, I should say. And from the very time I began volunteering, again, during holidays and special events, just set up, doing set up and things like that, again, talking to other volunteers, it was, you know, conversations that were held like, so, you know, you've heard the stories about the house, right? And like, "Uh, yeah, kind of. And, you know, other volunteers would relay things. And and it was just kind of, you know, I would shrug it off because, you know, it's like, oh, some of the stories they told was like, oh, that could have been anything. For instance, like one of the housekeepers vacuuming ran off the property because the uh, vacuum electrical socket You know, the vacuum was unplugged from the socket while she was vacuuming and, you know, things like that. And, you know, those are kind of like, kind of like sound like they were lame. And, well, there was, you know, different explanations for that kind of thing. And so those are the things that I heard at first. And, uh, then I heard from other workers of the historical society would ask me, have you seen her yet? Have you seen her yet? And again, that's (laughs) something I would like shrug off and, The story, the main story about the house is that they see Mrs. Overholzer in the window. And that's one of the first stories I heard from other volunteers. And again, that was something I shrugged off. And other um, volunteers that worked at the house have seen it, seen her. Some of the maintenance workers from the Historical Society have seen her. This is a story that's gone on for many, many years. Mrs. Overholzer is reportedly seen walking across the music room. I think it was by Mary Ellen Monroney, who was married to Senator Mike Monroney, who established her FAA headquarters okay. here in Oak City. So that's a that's how far back that story goes. Where that place it in the 50s or 60s when that took place. And so we know that the house was built by Henry and Anna Overholzer. I always say that he built the house for her because there's a lot of English influence in the house. So when you visit, you can certainly... Uh, recognize that. And that would be because Mrs. Overholzer was raised by her stepmother, who was from England.
0: Okay. Makes sense. And
1: so, yeah, that makes sense. So that kind of ties that in there. But just the thought of the decor that's in there, like, for instance, the design on the ceiling of the dining room, which is hand-stenciled and painted by the artist from England, for instance, the design in the dining room, it is copied from her limo's china pattern Oh, that is sit on the table, yes. And it's the largest set that we have. It's, I think I believe it's her wedding china. I could be wrong. Um it's like an eighteen to twenty place set. Uh we have other sets that belong to Mrs. Overholder, but they aren't nowhere near that that large at all. They're they're like ten to twelve place settings. Nothing really remarkable about it. Not like the Limoges which has platters and tourines and double handled consommés, and it's just an it's an expansive China set. But you know, you're wealthy. You can have your favorite china set, absolutely painted on the ceiling.
0: And and uh, I think that would illustrate probably more to the point of if if she's going to be there. I mean, all of her stuff is there. Her her energy signature, her fingerprint, her her history is definitely yeah. And
1: in in fact, not only her china is still there, Henry I own the daughter. Her clothes are still there. Her clothes are still hanging in the closet. Her shoes are still there. The bed threads are still there. The daughter's report cards from school are still there, her school books. I mean, it it is that, and that's how complete this house is. It is 95 to 98% original. We even still had a uh, suit that belonged to Henry Overholder. We had it displayed in our carriage house, which we've recently did a restoration of it. We repainted and pulled up indoor-outdoor carpet that was in here, and the his... Suit was still here, and you know it just uh, really takes you back because when we had to take it back to the historical society and and dismantle it, it is kind. of it, You do have to think about it. it's like my goodness, here I am, I'm handling Henry Overholder suit, you know, from over a hundred years ago. In fact, the mansion is turning 117 this month, October.
0: Wow, it. that's awesome. That's so, great. Right. <laughs> that that actually kind of leads into my next line of questioning. Uh, it's uh-huh. the right time of year for the spooky sort of thing and in the spookier side of of normal historical locations what kind of mm-hmm. what kind of activities do you have going on during the month of October to highlight this side of of your uh, museum?
1: So every month you have a uh, tour in, in the evening called mysteries of the mansion we do that. You know, up until October and in October that leads us into our event that we call Scary Tales and it basically is a tour of the mansion at night in the evening and we go to, it's basically like a, a daytime tour which takes almost an hour except on the, on our Scary Tales we go all the way up to the third floor which was the old, it was a staff area up there. But on the third floor, we take time and we share stories—not uh, only myself, but my volunteers—and we tell of the stories and phenomenon that have happened to us personally in the house. So it's just a little bit, a little bit more involved, and it's just not one person, but many stories. And with a house that's 117 years old, there's quite a few stories from different people. And we also have our visitors share. of their stories because we have some return visitors on each of these scary tale events and i had one visitor share something that happened to her which was pretty pretty intriguing but you know it's 117 years there's a lot there's stories there
0: yeah there's quite a backlog (laughs) yeah (laughs) now that that activity is actually sold out right so yes it
1: is but we do we will continue uh mysteries of the mansion um, I think it'll be probably beginning in February or March, and those are held the third Thursday of the month, and it is an evening tour, but we do throw our um some stories in there as well because you can't be, be visiting a mansion at night without having some kind oh, of
0: no. story so
1: yeah, Never. gotta <laughs> gotta have that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well- it sounds super creepy. I actually think this is one Brett could attend, though. Brett doesn't like jump scares, so as long as you don't have anybody hiding in one right. of the closets. No,
1: nobody's hiding. Uh, nobody, yeah, nobody's going to jump out at anybody. It's, you know, you think there's a lot of younger kids. there? No, it's mostly adults. <laughs> so, well, but it's a-
0: and what that leads me to my question is, is it an all-ages event? Is it? You know, is it kind of just what your, your heart can handle?
1: (laughs) Probably, it's probably not suitable for younger children, but you know, teens are, you know, fine and welcome. And it is, it, that, that scary tales, um, tour, it runs about an hour to two hours because, um, people don't get tired of hearing scary stories or, you know, Especially around this time of year.
0: Well, your tour runs about two hours, but I run about a flight of stairs in about ten seconds.
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: if it gets too heavy, I'll let you know. I'll be uh, I'll be in the front yard waving hey, gracefully. Oh, that's flying! <laughs> so, Lisa, on that part, what's the best way for people to learn more about the the events that you have at Overholster Mansion?
1: Um, you can, of course, follow us on Facebook, but visit our website, Overholster Mansion. And all kinds of things will pop up. We have—I was just looking this afternoon. We do have our Christmas programs also starting. We we decorate for Christmas, of course. So, um, but if you go to our uh, website again, preservationoklahoma.org, we have both of them, both of those things joined together. But also to come by for a visit, we're located at 405 Northwest 15th, in just north of downtown Oklahoma City, and you know invite everybody to come and take a tour if they haven't been here already because it's definitely something to see.
0: Perfect. Lisa, it's been great having you on the show. Absolutely. Uh, well,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time out, and we will definitely be sending people your way, not for the scary tales, sold out, but but for your sold your out. tour. But, you we, know, yeah. but,
1: but anytime they want to take a tour, we're very happy to throw in a, a ghost story or two.
0: Or two. Or three. <laughs> Lisa, thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, a history lesson. I mean, learning things at 42 that I have yet to learn my entire life. Uh, I consider myself somebody that loves Oklahoma history and I, there were, I didn't know these two overholsters were two separate people. I didn't. I didn't know that. And I honestly didn't realize the the connections to, oh, yeah. to oklahoma history at all i didn't i took oklahoma history <laughs> i took oklahoma history i loved history but i will say that henry Overholser does not get much love uh, yeah i i think i guess ed gets all the love because of the lake yeah because of the lake absolutely but yeah i don't know but i'll say this even though i felt like we were out of our depth of the field we were invited to come back do a show on the third on the infamous third floor it sounds so sinister on the third floor yeah i don't know it just elicits a whole lot of creepy feels for me just even saying yeah you guys can come up to the third floor uh well look um, hey i'm relieved that the scary tales is sold out because now i don't i don't even have an opportunity to have the the pants scared off of me well, while you're bumping around in the night, could you do us a favor and think about us? Let them know you're there tripping through the, the antiques and knocking stuff over because we sent you Yes, tell them the Only an OK Show sent you. Well, this has been the Only an OK Show. I'm Brett. And I'm Harley. And we're out of here. Peace. Tell them the only an okay show. Tell them the o- God bless America, that whole thing's gone. The whole thing's gone. We don't need outtakes for everything, do we? Okay, Nope. Three. Nope, hang on, I gotta adjust the volume. Right there. Ready? Three, two, one. Previously on the only and okay show, Brett messed up the intro again, and Harley was not happy. But this time, we're going to make up for lost time. No, do no. it again. Yeah, I don't know what I was over. doing. Start that shit all over, again. What is wrong with you? I don't know you? what it is. You want it? No. Okay, go. Previously on the Only in OK show, Brett messed up the intro. And Harley got really, really mad. On today's show, it's all about the Oberholzer Mansion. Is it haunted or not? Okay, ready? Three, two, three, two, three, two, three, two, thirty-two. One go. Blue thirty-two.